Hey guys and welcome to another episode of Tea Talks with Kuru. We get to listen to some pretty good book reviews while also learning more about one of the most famous beverages in the world, tea. I'm your host, ex Kuru, and we are diving into more Greek mythology retellings today. Madeline Miller is quite well known for her book Song of Achilles, marvelous read by the way. So I haven't read the original myth. So what I do know, since I like Song of Achilles, I figured I'd give Sissy a try as well. Fun fact, Sissy's actually inspired me to read more Greek retellings that were written from the woman's point of view. So uh, books like Daughters of Sparta, Sissy, Electra, and even books in other mythologies um, from different cultures that told a story from a female perspective, I have tried to add them to my to-be-read. Uh, I don't know about anyone else, but perspective is something very important to me. And I just find it so fascinating how these women who were viewed as wombs and chattel were able to wield such power. Pretty sure someone wrote one of these on Cleopatra and eat it up. Anyway, today's tea is Gayokuro. Gayokuro is a type of shaded Japanese green tea, and it is actually grown under shade instead of sun, hence its name. It's, sh- it's shaded longer than Kabuse tea as well by about three weeks and has a seaweed or grassy um, taste. And it's also very sweet. It contains um, polyphenols, which help promote good oral health and prevent cavities. So look at that. It's a dentist's best run. Now let's get into this book. So like I said before, Circe is by Madeline Miller. Circe is the daughter of a naiad or a water nymph, Pis, and the titan of the sun, Helios. And fun fact, Sissy means hawk. Sissy is one of four siblings, I believe. Uh, so she has a sister, Pasiphae. Uh, uh, is a twin to Perseus. Uh, and then the youngest, Fetis. Fetis uh, is actually very blessed magically, athletically, he's like the perfect Oron child. And that kinda has a rift uh, being created between Fetis and Sissy. Sissy actually took care of Fetis um, since he was a baby. However, immortals age at a faster rate than mortals. So his childhood, for lack of better words, was uh, pretty short. Sissy herself grew into adulthood in a couple hours. So Sissy and Fetis were very Fetis were very, very close. And um that they kinda drifted apart because I believe a prophecy foretold that Fetis would be Fetis Fetis, he'd be uh this being of greatness. But Sissy would never uh, surpass uh, mediocrity, basically. And fun fact, Piss and Helios, uh, I guess they went so well together that their genetics created um, this new brand of being, I guess, for lack of better words, sorcerers and sorceresses. So each, uh, Circe and each of her siblings, each held this vein of magic in them. And I guess in part it's due to the fact that Piss was uh, a daughter of Oceanus, uh, the then titan of the sea, 
before the Olympians took over and killed Kronos and imprisoned some of the Titans that didn't side with them. So I guess because of that vein of power of Oceanus' blood in Perth and then Helios himself being very powerful, I guess that kind of opened the doorway for this vein of magic. So Cis, Pesifes, Tez and Pisces, they can all wield some form of magic. I believe Pasiphae can, um, Pasiphae is skilled in poisons, I think. Pisces had the ability to raise the dead. Um, he went, he ended up somewhere in, I think, Peru and kind of became interwoven in their culture. Uh, Fetes, he became a really good king, I think. And Circe ended up in exile. I believe Circe was the most human for lack of better words, among her siblings. So, you have uh, her growing up uh, in the hall, visiting the halls of her grandfather, Oceanus, and she's just seeing, um, and seeing her father with his chariot uh, carrying the sun across the sky and all of that. She was basically neglected as, um, as soon as learned that Circe uh, would not marry great, wouldn't marry a demigod or a, um, a god. She'd only marry, I think it was a king. And Perse was aghast that a daughter she had born would marry a mortal. She saw it as an affront to herself. Circe, for the most part, was very uh, simple. She found simple pleasures in just being alone. She didn't really care for her mother's scorn. And she kind of gravitated more towards trying to make her father proud. Of course, uh, she failed miserably at this, as is the common trend with um, Greek retellings or mythologies in general. So you have where at one point um, Pro- Prometheus had brought uh, fire to earth for the mortals, and then he was being whipped, and there. Circe committed an act of treason in that Zeus had forbid anyone to help or speak to Prometheus and because women were for the large part ignored, Circe was able to pass by uh, unnoticed and she offered Prometheus a drink of water and they, there they spoke about uh, they, they spoke about mortals and uh, how even though they burn briefly, they burn so brightly in their lives. And both of them shared that infatuation with mortals and wanting to see them prosper and progress. So that was actually an act of treason. Uh, it could have put Helios's position um, and basically everything he's built uh, into jeopardy. And Circe actually uses it against him uh, later on in the book. So... Circe has this infatuation with mortals. It actually leads to her meeting um, her first love, Glaucus, who was a poor fisherman. And Circe had uh, actually found this herb that grew from where the blood of Cronus fell on earth. And this herb had the ability to grant uh, whoever, whoever drank the um, nectar from it, I believe. It had the ability to grant godhood. 
know something of such power, such magnitude, you don't want that information to get leaked at all. And because Cersei fancied herself in love, she wanted to stay with Glaucus forever. So she did make him a god, but she failed to realize that in a, making him a god, she also wiped away his humanity. He, she wiped away everything that she loved about him. And Glaucus actually goes on to be just like every other god in the story. He's, um, he's very uh, narcissistic, likes to hear himself talk. Even though he became basically a lesser uh, river god to some extent, and nothing really to boast about. Um, and then he actually ends up um, seeking permission to marry one of the other nymphs. He completely bypasses Cersei after um, he becomes he becomes a god, just ignoring the fact that you know Cersei was the reason that he became a god. Um, so Cersei becomes very bitter, she becomes uh, very vengeful. That actually leads to her trying to get revenge on one of the nymphs that was very mean to her, um, Skylar. Skylar. Uh, it's basically she uses her powers because at this point she recognizes that she's a bit different from the other nymphs. Uh, she has an affinity for herbs and for seeking out uh, different remedies to heal or to curse, that sort of thing. So, a bona fide witch. And she actually curses this nymph uh, and make poison so it's become a sea monster. And this sea monster actually just completely decimates the coast um, for a couple, a good couple decades. However, good news for Cersei's conscience, at least, is that she does make things right. She does um, end up killing uh, Skylar, I think. I, I can't pronounce that name. And, uh, you know, kind of freeing her conscience from that guilt, even though this nymph kind of deserved it, you know? Uh, so at this point after, she had um, turned the nymph into the sea monster to kind of seek retribution for all the mocking and teasing. She found that she felt worse than how she initially felt. She did not take any joy as the other gods or um, divine beings did in making others suffer. And that was probably what set her apart most from her siblings and her family. So she went to her father um, while he was in her grandfather's court. So Helios and Oceanus are there grandmother's there and she willingly uh, confessed to her sin of poisoning Skyla for um because she was jealous basically and she did this uh, I believe where um I think Zeus was there as well and because the Olymp or because um the Olympians got to hear of it or because she gave such a very blunt confession they had no choice but to um punish her and Helios made sure she knew that he was um, disappointed in her. I think even Fetes uh, also expressed his disappointment. And that really uh, kind of threw Cersei off because she expected him out of all her siblings, not of everyone else, who, him who knew her best, to, you know, be on her side. But it was at that point she steadily realized that she did not really know her brother as she thought she did. And that men would always, um, you know, follow ambition and that sort of thing. So that was kind of bittersweet for her. Um, she gets, ex she gets um, exiled. 
to this remote island for a couple years uh wayward daughters um maybe of minor river gods and like actually were sent there as punishment to kind of like brush up on their manners or whatnot when their father's tired of their uh, mischievous tendencies and that sort of thing and at one point uh Fisifi actually sorry pacify actually um calls on Susie. She asked her father to uh, kind of terminate her exile temporarily because at that point, Pasiphae had married King Minos. That, and a couple of you might remember, well, a couple of you who like Greek mythology might know King Minos as the man who everything he touched ended up turning to gold. So that was the son of Zeus that Pasiphae was uh, destined to marry. She was actually around this time when she called for her sister about to give birth to the Minotaur. Yes, Pasiphae was that queen. And you see how she scorns Circe even though she asks for her help. Circe, to her credit, doesn't uh, flinch underneath it. She's accustomed to how her sister is. And she does help with the birth of her nephew, this half um, bull, half man creature. She also gets briefly to see her um, niece, Aradadne. And I believe Aradadne's tale is kind of sad as well. I'm not too sure about the original. But Aradadne would be the niece of Circe, daughter of Pasiphae, and her sister to the Minotaur. You also get to see her brief dalliance with Daedalus, the famous inventor whose son Icarus flew too close to the sun and died. Um... You get brief mentions of the War of Troy, of Achilles, of Patroclus. Sissy likens herself to their uh, ill-fated love story. She does also um, her very, very sad uh, string of relationships also continues. It was, I believe, so it went from Glaucus, who ended up being a lesser of a god thanks to her efforts and then losing interest in her to Hermes briefly uh, in exchange for getting messenger, uh, message, well, messages of the outside world and brief retellings of what's, what's currently going on in the world uh, or trying to, or I'm just, you know, amusing him to, I believe it was Daedalus, but that was really brief and then Odysseus washes up on her shore uh, and there he stays for a, a couple decades, I think, like 10 years, 15 years, somewhere around there. And they grow to build a life together. Sissy um, gets really comfortable there, but then he has to, um, he gets word that he has to go back. He gets a prophecy uh, because at that point, um, a lot of uh, men from the surrounding kingdoms were fighting for his wife's hand. She was regent while he was away and they were starting to think that, okay, Odysseus was lost at sea or he died at the war. So um, they could, you know, marry his wife and take over his kingdom. So Circe, recognizing that he could not stay any longer, uh, did everything in her power to help. And as soon as he left, um, she discovered that she was pregnant with Telegonus. And Circe loved this boy fiercely uh, she did everything in her power to protect him uh from the moment of his conception when she was 
hospital when she was in labor. She was in great pain, great discomfort. Uh, and uh, she also discovered that they did not want her son to be born. Um, Athena herself came down after the child was born and offered to take him off of Sissy's hands, offered to kill him uh, because of his prophecy because of the prophecy behind his birth that he would, um, I think, end up killing Athena's, uh, one of Athena's favorites, uh, of whom Odysseus was. And Cersei railed against that. She completely refused to give up her son and she shielded her island. She made sure everything was uh, childproof and she really protected Telegonus. And then he grew up. Uh, he wanted to go and find his father and whatnot. I feel Cersei was against it, but recognizing she couldn't, um, you know, keep him clustered away on the island forever, she allowed him to go with her blessing. Uh, he There he met his father. Um, however, the spear that his mother had given him to keep him safe uh, had this, had a tail from this deep uh, god of the ocean, Trigon, this poison was said to be deadly. It could be deadly to both mortals and immortals alike. Uh, he accidentally killed Odysseus, who was in the throes of madness at that point. And then um, his half-brother, Telemachus, actually came to the island with his mother. So Telemachus um, and his mother, Penelope, also came to the island right after Telegonus because there was nothing left. Um on attacker for them really so they ended up uh, basically playing house so it was Telegonus, Telemachus, Penelope and Circe and it was really interesting to read um at some point Telegonus accepts Athena's um offer of you know her being his patron and he goes on to achieve a lot um it was kind of bittersweet for Circe and then having nothing left tying her to the island Sissy um, went and basically ordered her father to go to Zeus for her um, to lift her exile and she threatened him with um, the fact that she had basically committed treason and offered Prometheus um, drink and conversation and it would have reflected badly on her father. Uh, it was a really girl boss movement because then uh, Helios is basically like, basically like, after I do this to you, um, don't ever... Uh, don't ever associate your actions um, with me or tell anyone and then she's like I has, I'll do something better I'll carry on as I wish and every time you count your kids don't count me and it was it was just iconic I loved it uh, but after that she does make amends um, as I said before Skylar was um, the sea monster was a result of her um doing so she does end up killing her you know putting her soul to rest and ensuring that she doesn't kill any more sailors or travelers and then she had gone with telemachus and telemachus decided um he would follow her wherever she went she actually does end up finding a way to break her divinity and penelope stays on the island as a new witch i guess and Sissy and Telemachus end up growing old in their mortality together. So I thought that was a I thought it was a cute ending. Um having said that, however, I did think that Sissy was a bit it went a bit disjointedly compared to Song of Ac um 
Song of Achilles. I preferred Song of Achilles to Sissy, but I do recognize that Sissy was quite a good book. Um, and I look forward to reading. I still need to read Ariadne and Electra, but I look forward to both of them. No doubt they'll be awesome as well. So that's the end of today's episode. I'm a bit longer than usual, but hopefully this makes you read the book. As always, you can find this episode and others on the Acast platform, which distributes the Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. I'll see you all next time. Bye!